Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Elizabeth Martinez, President and Chief Executive Officer of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Ohio. Elizabeth is a native of Carolina, Puerto Rico. She has more than 18 years of experience working with children, youth, and families. She has been featured by Columbus Business First as one of the 20 people to know in education, in Who's Who in Latino Columbus, and in the 2010 Women's Book. She has been honored with the 2012 Distinguished Hispanic Ohioan Award by the Ohio Commission on Hispanic and Latino Affairs, among many other awards and recognitions. Felicidades, Elizabeth. Gracias. Y bienvenida al estudio. Um, can you tell us uh, more about yourself? Tell me about growing up in Puerto Rico and your transition to Ohio. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to be here to exchange with you. I, you know, as I think about Puerto Rico, you talk about Puerto Rico on a day like today, mm. it'd be great to be home. Right. <laughs> um, so my journey, very interesting um, journey. I am a native, obviously, of the island of Puerto Rico, as you just alluded in the introduction, um, came to the U.S. when I was about three years old, and then lived kind of a series of um, transitions in my life where I found myself going back and forth um, Puerto Rico to the U.S. pretty consistently. I like to make reference that my mom had a little bit of a nomad spirit where <laughs> um, she didn't live in any place um, too long. But I think what it allowed me to do was I feel like I had a chance to experience the beauty of both cultures. Mm. Um, what was very interesting during that experience is that also um, innately I knew that uh, I was neither ni de aquí ni de allá. Mm -hmm. So there was always this kind of... Um, trying to find a connection to the root of my identity mm -hmm. um, and knowing that sometimes I wasn't American enough to be in the U.S. And when you went back to Puerto Rico, you weren't Puerto Rican enough because <laughs> right. essentially you're, you know, too Americana. Um, but what I realized kind of the, the benefit and growth now you know, fast forward many, many years later is that it really allowed for me to be in a position where I was always observant of the culture and, mm -hmm. and the people around me. And so it really allowed for me to develop that skill of identifying um, traits in individuals that I could um, connect with um, and finding the beauty in, in all things. So, you know, it wasn't until my adulthood that I really appreciated that that was an advantage of, of that, you know, constant transition. Right. And when did you move to Ohio uh, the first time or, or is this a back coming, going back yeah. and forth? Is it Ohio? So this is, um, I'll refer to it as my second tour to, <laughs> to Columbus specifically. I um, originally, or the final time that I came here, the second time I should say, uh, was a little over a little over 18 years. Mm -hmm. um, I came to Columbus. I had two siblings that resided here, and so I'll say that they were on a recruiting campaign to get <laughs> me to Columbus. And it's been my home ever since. I love the community. Mm -hmm. um, I love the sense of um, closeness mm -hmm. in in the city of Columbus and being able to come at a time where there was a lot of um, 
evolution mm-hmm. occurring as it relates to diversity. I remember 18 years ago being here and um, it was not common for you to run into someone who was a Spanish native speaker. And so right. when I found those opportunities to engage with people in you know the grocery store or whatever that might be, I was really appreciative to see that um, that, that was evolving and there was more diversity coming to the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are one of the handful but growing uh, Latina leaders in Central Ohio. Tell me about this privilege and responsibility. Yeah, so um, it's an interesting question. I do really count it as a privilege. I'll, you know, I'll speak specifically to the work that I'm currently in. I, I believe that you know I was designed for for work um, with youth. I've always had a passion uh, for this, but I do understand that it's been a point of. Um, Privilege. I've you know I've worked really hard throughout my career to um, allow myself to um, be exposed to opportunities that I could capitalize in certain times, but also spending the time developing skills and being mentored by individuals in the community. Mm-hmm. So as I think about um, the point of privilege um, to be able to be at the helm and leading such an amazing organization, I equally understand to your question the responsibility that comes mm-hmm. with that. Twofold. One is is you know I I want to make sure that just as a leader of this organization that you know every decision that I make. Um, is a decision that's um, in the best interest of not only the organization, but the reason why we exist as an organization, Mm -hmm. best decisions for kids. But I think equally is thinking about the fact that not only am I um, a Latina leader in the organization, I'm also the first Latina leader in the history of this organization mm-hmm. and the first female in this organization. So no pressure there, right? <laughs> um, other than the fact that I understand the power of mentorship um, and really being intentional about creating opportunities um, and bridges for others to be exposed um, to uh, what it is to run an organization. So I find myself often in community work engaging with young professionals um, who aspire to be in roles of leadership and, you know, to the extent that that my journey and my experience can be helpful to them, finding ways to um, to mentor them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, So talk to us a little bit more about the work that you do with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Well, Mm -hmm. um, so amazing organization. I'm a little bit biased, um, (laughs) but we have been in existence for um, over 100 and um, it's 14 years now as an organization. I uh, began this work about 15 years ago, um, started originally and was recruited to Big Brothers Big Sisters in kind of a dual capacity. One, I was working with the local affiliate specifically in the space of um, taking what had been a grassroots um, program and integrating it into the work of Big Brothers Big Sisters um, kind of fully penetrated within the organization that what was an initiative then to find legs within the organization so that it outlived the term of initiative and really became integrated in what we did. Um, But essentially the work of uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters is about uh, mentorship and and very specifically in the mentoring space we are a Mm. one-to-one relationship-based mentoring program. Mm. So, So our position as an organization is to identify um, children 
that come from um, different lived experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some kids are arriving to our organization having experienced poverty in their family circumstances, Mm -hmm. single parent homes, and we are uh, bridging connections with adults that understand that these kids are also arriving to us with great and deep potential. Mm -hmm. And how do we, um, as adults, help facilitate um, the unearthing of that potential and help bridge um, connection to opportunity structures where they get exposed to experiences that help them in the development, not only in the academic arena, which we're reinforcing through mm-hmm. through our um, intentional support for kids, but also social emotionally. So we do that in, in a couple of different ways. Um, we have a community-based program, uh, which is our flagship program of Big Brothers Big Sisters, essentially as is the, is the name defines it, um, the relationship of mentoring occurs in the context of community. Um, and we also have a school-based program where um, matches are meeting or a volunteer and a youth in our program are meeting in the context of a school-based setting. Uh, we're also really fortunate in our program to have or in our organization to own and operate a camp facility mm-hmm. in the Hocking Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, so really robust environmental education program, more of a group mentoring model design uh, for that experience. And then really fortunate in our Big Brothers Big Sisters affiliate network to also um, in our shop have a division that helps um, provide and build capacity, provide support and build capacity to other mentoring organizations uh, within our community that that are um, not similar to us in, in the one-to-one mentoring model, mm-hmm. but still need the support um, and access to uh, research to best inform their practices and, and their intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, this camp that you have at, mm-hmm. um, in Hocking Hills, is it... Um does it run throughout the summer? Is it different camps, programs, age groups? Yeah, good question. Mm-hmm. It's a, a year-round uh, a camp program. It's a residential program. Mm-hmm. We have designated um, opportunities for school groups, um, faith-based groups, um, any group that is really youth-oriented, but even beyond youth-oriented groups, mm-hmm. we have adults that are utilizing the camp facility on uh, occasions when we don't have, when we're not focused on the direct mission work, which is our summer camp Mm -hmm. um, session. So those residential um, camp experiences about seven days uh, Mm -hmm. where we are removing kids from kind of the day-to-day setting. Most of these kids have have never left their communities. Mm -hmm. um, And to be able to expose them to a camp experience is both about appreciation of the environmental um, education Mm -hmm. um, and just the the appreciation of environment. Mm -hmm. But really what we try to do at camp is as they connect with other peers that are close in age and 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 from you know morning to evening they're mm-hmm. working with their peers throughout that period of time we are building a sense of community amongst their small um, peer group or their cohort. Mm-hmm. And so the idea and concept there is that as they're learning to appreciate environment and building community, that those skills are transferable when they go back to their own communities mm-hmm. um, and, and really um, just trying to navigate through that with youth. That's great. Um, you have worked with Latino families for many years. And part of developing mentoring programs for our community is educating them about the importance of mentoring, right? Um, Can you share some of the things that you did to cross this bridge? I I feel like sometimes our community 
uh, doesn't understand the concept of mentoring as well, maybe as other uh, groups. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one of the advantages that we had um, that was a good baseline for us to start from as we started our work within the Latino community. It's a sense of um, the community having strong family values Mm -hmm. um, and relationships um, is at the core and center of the Latino community. What was a really difficult sell was um, figuring out how we, uh, an organization, would come in and provide an opportunity for them and to engage with us, not only in in the community-based and school-based program models, but I referenced earlier that our camp program is in the Hocking Hills, Mm -hmm. so um, a pretty hard sell when you're saying you know we're engaging and by right. the way nos vamos a llevar a tus hijos for you know seven days um, about an hour and 15 minutes right. away from from mm-hmm. where you're located so we started at a very grassroots level we you know we started one identifying um, you know assets within the community that already existed you know, whether it was uh, faith-based entities that mm-hmm. were really connected with community or strong community leaders that already had a footing um, within the community and we just started in partnership to just learn about community and created a presence and mm-hmm. education around the value proposition of engaging um, with a formal institution like our organization I mean at the core understanding that um, because relationship is important, is helping to educate um, parents about the opportunity to have kids exposed to different things that they might not have the benefit of doing in their local community. Mm-hmm. So that, beca- you know, it was really um, felt a little bit uh, like the, you know, door to door salesman model. <laughs> um, and it, at one point, it really shifted. We started to gain traction in the Latino community. Um, and one thing that is true to the identity and the in the culture is um, once you establish trust, mm-hmm. um, that that loyalty is very strong. And mm-hmm. so, you know, here we are. Fast forward, you know, when I began with that work, you know, 14, 15 years ago with the organization, um, we have to do very little recruitment uh, for for the especially for the camp uh, program we have a designated week where we are specifically um, engaging and doing intentional outreach for the Latino community and on an annual basis are providing that camp experience for about 100 to 120 Latino students. Um, we open up enrollment uh, season and, and slots get filled very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so now we encounter kind of a, a, a secondary challenge and that's, you know, now how do we fulfill Capacity. the demand? <laughs> uh, which is a good problem mm-hmm. to have, um, but it definitely, you know, was that um, very um, strong uh, touch point with the families coming in, understanding the the community um, and then just showing up as, as a partner and an ally. Mm. And this, I want to mention this um, camp that you have, spe- especially with Latino uh, children in Hocking Hills, is bilingual, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so many of the kids that are coming um, to the camp do uh, speak English fluently. I, I think that when we when we started with recruitment, um, we found that more youth in our program were coming um, with very limited English skills. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason why we we target this week to to be um, inclusive of the Latino mm-hmm. culture is because we surround ourselves with just um, extra 
resources mm-hmm. um, of bilingual staff that mm-hmm. are able to connect with those youth that um, English is their second language and, mm-hmm. and need to be able to communicate in Spanish. But it's a really rich experience um, for kids that have, you know, never been away from home, mm-hmm. um, that have the opportunity to, you know, not worry about any of the um, potential challenges that they might be encountering on a day-to-day basis. You really are allowed to be a kid at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're mm-hmm. doing a lot of education while mm-hmm. kids are there um, and similar to other components of our program like the school-based program kids are learning they don't know that they're learning we refer to it as hiding the broccoli Um, (laughs) so they're not necessarily aware but it's a really engaged hands-on experience for them that's great Um, one of the things you have helped lead at big brothers big sisters is precisely what we're talking about the hispanic mentoring initiative which is now a model used by agencies throughout the country. Tell me about this program and the importance of developing mentoring relationships with our Latina youth. Yeah. So the the work of the Hispanic Mentoring Initiative is, you know, now become a program, right? Mm-hmm. No longer niche initiative. Mm-hmm. It's kind of outlived um, that term internally. But mm-hmm. really, it was birthed out of um, the growth that was happening. Um, you look at at least the decade of 2000, 2010, the growth of um, Latinos mm-hmm. in not only our community, but many communities was on the uprising. And uh, this nas- the, our national organization in response to that um, did some analysis around the country to figure out um, how they could um, really mobilize um, some of the grassroots work that had uh, been established in certain communities to start to inform a national strategy for the organization that that can be disseminated throughout affiliates. And so we were fortunate in Columbus to be part of that group that Mm -hmm. was um, involved in the development um, of that initiative, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And it really was just thinking about in terms of every area um, of the organization from how we engage with community to board representation. uh, Was it reflective of the communities that we are serving? And and what it really um, allowed us to do was give consideration to when we start to think about engagement with the Latino community at the parent guardian level, what were the practices that we needed to have Mm -hmm. in place when we think about um, the personnel that's needed to support those families, what did that need to look like and, and beyond. So essentially, the you know the program by design itself um, mirrors um, the other components of our or, or mirrors our other program, the mm-hmm. you know, school based, the community based model. Um, essentially, it's about building that ecosystem of support for families. So as whether we're in the community based context or school based, it's about identifying barriers um, to. Um, educational um, excellence for kids in our program, identifying barriers to um, development of social emotional um, competencies for kids. How can we reinforce them? And and really, a lot of it is about um, just guidance, support, advocacy for youth in our program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the school base and the community base and the camp model are just the vehicles uh, that, that allow us to deliver that. Um, I will tell you that what it served is as a framework when you really unpack um, the the model in design itself is you remove the Latino culture and, and you and you start to look through that same lens for every culture. It's mm-hmm. really about understanding that um, uh, diversity is um, is not a strength alone unless you're able to accompany it with um, being able to create um, linkage and um, 
penetration, if you will, within the organization, mm-hmm. right? So so looking beyond just diversity and representation, but the inclusion component of that is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure that as we you know do the work of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, whether it's today or uh, 10 years from now, that um, we are reflecting the community that we're serving. Um, and we're engaging with communities in ways that they want to be engaged. So mm-hmm. not assuming um, that, that we have um, all of the answers within right. organization, but we're looking to the community to inform our work. In what ways, Elizabeth, has your organization or a program like this, right, the uh, Hispanic Mentoring Program, um, has had the opportunity to be an advocate in schools? Because I assume that some of the schools um, that you work with might not either have the resources or the personnel um, that is competent um, to understand some of the the needs of Mm -hmm. our Latino community. In what ways have you been able to sort of bridge that gap, you know, as an outside organization, but really under an organization that really understands our families? Yeah, I would say that the role that we typically assume is one of partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, And that addresses both working with schools, which we have a strong presence as schools is, is uh, being able to um, share with schools, the perspective that we're hearing from parents, we, you know, we go, for, and that's probably at the, at the macro level, we can identify, um, sorry, so that's what happens when you're Latina, you start talking with your hands, right. you, can, you can remove that from the, um, but at the, at the, when we think about in terms of our role of partnership, um, we, you know, at the macro level is we're understanding kind of what the what the challenges are for um, the Latino families that we're providing support to um, and in partnership with for us to be able to share that information with the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also um, served in many advisory capacities for the schools just based on some of the grassroots work um, that was very early on work mm-hmm. of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, being able to talk about um, how we were successful um, in in engagement with the community and also to be able to be very transparent around um, places where we um, had challenges um, mm-hmm. to hopefully mm-hmm. prevent um, others from having to go through that experience. So so that's one way that we, we play a role in being a partner um, in that space. We know that schools are um, experiencing a lot of, uh, a number, a whole host of challenges, not only with the Latino community, but a lot of different immigrant populations that they're trying to wrap their arms around the needs. So, so it's a, a place that we can be a vital partner. I think um, in addition to that, we also play a critical role in being a partner and resource for our families. Mm -hmm. So part of our burden, um, yes, we are a mentoring organization, but sometimes we're the first point uh, Mm -hmm. of contact for families. So we see that as a role um, and a position to be able to educate and support families. So when families are coming to us, at a point of um, starting their relationship, the mentoring relationship, as we identify ourselves as a partner in education as well. And Mm -hmm. how can we reinforce some Mm -hmm. of the messages that are being heard in school um, in terms of, you know, importance of attendance or um, being engaged Mm -hmm. and understanding um, some of the the, um, challenges that youth are navigating through. I'll share a funny story on Mm -hmm. one occasion. um, We were in consultation with uh, one of our parents who was had been in our program for a number of years and she she was getting messages from the school and, and she assumed that the messages were that her son was not doing well and she couldn't necessarily <laughs> understand that because as he was bringing report cards home um, he had all, all F's 
Um, and she, he had uh, translated the documents for her that F signified fantastico or represented <laughs> fantastico. So she was under the assumption that he was doing well, but didn't understand what the barrier was with the school. And so we were able to help um, factually translate those documents right. for her and help her understand and navigate the process. But um, I think especially for families that are um, you know, coming to the country that don't understand the yeah. American um, education system and you know, figuring out how to navigate that, that, that that's our role is, is to play that Mm -hmm. that um both the position of partner but then how can we become advocates um to the extent that we have you know people on our team that will write out and spell out Mm -hmm. or point to resources Mm -hmm. um that we just see that as our role yeah yeah um aside from working with uh big brothers big sisters you are also a youth leader correct yes in your church and you're an active member of your church um, do you also work with Latino children um, in this in this role I have so um, I haven't I have in the past mm-hmm. um, been more engaged um, in this capacity um, you know as work demands increase sometimes it's hard to find the balance but my heart is rooted in working with youth I think in the context of the faith-based setting it's you know the marriage of um, two personal passions of mine which is um, you know faith and and kids understanding kind of an, an anchoring point for mm-hmm. them um, and and navigating through what what I seem to have understood Understood to be my ability to connect with kids on different levels. Um, so I, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, what I love about the, the being in this, uh, the context of working with kids is um, they care very little about um, what role I assume in the community. Most of them don't know what I do or <laughs> care to know, and, and I love that. Um, but, they, you know, kids, what you say matters right. um, and how you show up for kids matter. Um, and that's really, you know, what this work for me is about mm-hmm. um, in, in either context, right? At the end of the day, it's about... Um, that we just have, you know, our, we often talk about, you know, kids being the most vulnerable in mm-hmm. our community, but I also mm-hmm. think they're, um, they're our most prized assets, right? And so how do you invest and pour into them? Um, and I think for me personally, it's you, as I kind of unpack my own personal and professional journey, I'm really conscious of the fact that I had people that were in position along my life um, that, you know, didn't necessarily know that they were, um, serving in that shepherding role mm-hmm. um, but they were you know pointing out opportunities for me or um, they were the accountability partners or they were educating me in, in mm-hmm. different spaces and so being able to do that um, I think just keeps me connected and 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 probably helps me you know as, as a leader as well to mm-hmm. consistently have that youth voice and kids are just hilarious so I just <laughs> love being around kids right <laughs> um, Elizabeth um, so this role and the things that you do in the community and in your professional and personal life has it's rooted in this um, concept or this practice of mentoring right mm-hmm. um, did you um, receive a lot of mentoring growing up as a as a as a youth as a as a young girl um i'm just trying to understand yeah. how um how this the experiences that you had or the lack of experiences that you mm-hmm. had has impacted the work that you're doing yeah. right now. I, I've been really fortunate um, to have had a lot of mentors and currently have mentors. Um, I think, I don't think, um, 
that any one of us has the ability to arrive to any level of success or to to yeah. go on this journey alone, <laughs> right? That we're all created to be um, in connection, and that and that's so important as humans to be able to find that connection. But I find very early on, I remember you know mentors um, as early as uh, grade school. But mm-hmm. I'll speak you know specifically about one of the I think the strongest people that have influenced my life is my mother. I consider mm-hmm. her. Um, a mentor, you know, a woman that uh, didn't have uh, a high school um, completion degree mm-hmm. or, you know, high school diploma. And I feel like she was probably not single handedly, but um, really taught me a lot of principles um, of leadership mm-hmm. uh, that I didn't even know I was learning at the time. Um, I feel like, you know, my mom taught me. Um, business 101 classes and things that she would do (laughs) probably a hallmark of my upbringing as well is that she was always very um, service oriented so I was always kind of in that ethos Mm -hmm. of you help others Mm -hmm. um, and this is what we do and the way that that showed up in my family is you know mommy would always uh, you know cook a meal Mm -hmm. and and be intentional about saying well we're gonna add a little bit more just in case um, someone comes over Mm -hmm. or seeing how service oriented or how helpful she was to um, every and anyone, um, I think, played an influence um, in me pretty significantly. Um, I often talk about you know, my mom's incredibly independent um, and very resourceful. We joke that she is the um, female Puerto Rican MacGyver um, for <laughs> audio, you know, people that are listening on the podcast that would even know um, who MacGyver was. But you know, very, very resourceful woman. Um, I think every independent bone in my body, um, you know, is from her. And so, you know, I think that in addition to that, um, I've had both, you know, female uh, mentors and very, you know, later on in life, uh, male mentors that j- people just were very intentional about pointing out the opportunities, but mm-hmm. also uh, people that, you know, believed in me sometimes when I didn't have the capacity to fully believe in myself um, and how critically that important that was, not only for my journey, but I think for all of our journeys. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, is there anything else that you would like to add about yourself or your work? Yeah. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to talk about um, the work of Big Brothers, Big Mm -hmm. Sisters in the context of, you know, the demand of the work. Um, We are, you know, very ingrained in this community and and beyond. uh, But there are so many more children in our community uh, that need Mm-hmm. more positive adults in their lives. And so there's always a great need for volunteer mentors in our program, mm-hmm. I think, especially as we think about in the context of, of, of your audience in this platform, mm-hmm. um, to be able to identify um, Latino community members mm-hmm. uh, that are interested in engaging and figuring out how they can also um, help the community, that this is one opportunity to do that through the, the context of the work of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, and I think that, you know, the one-to-one mentoring and and that uh, level of volunteer engagement is not for everyone Mm -hmm. and and that's okay but there are multiple ways to um, help provide support for an organization like ours that that's not just you know don't just see ourselves as a non-profit organization but we're really here to build social profit in the community we have a really unique model where 
not only do we have the ability to impact kids in our community, but more often than not, we hear that volunteers in our program, um, and there's actually research that reinforces that individuals that um, engage in volunteerism, um, you know, have great benefits, but Mm -hmm. we find that the value proposition is for both sides of the table, um, that they're developing skills um, as they work with kids in our program, um, that they're having opportunities to engage and connect with individuals of uh, different cultural backgrounds. Um, but also, you know, the, the sense of um, being able to grow together, I think there's a value of that. And to the extent that we can continue to build bridges of understanding, we strengthen the fabric of the community. And what should uh, a person that's interested in, interested in getting involved do first? So as a mentor or in any other capacity? Yeah. Well, I think the first step is, you know, probably to, you know, give a call to the organization. If I can do a shameless yes. plug here of, you know, <laughs> 614-839-2447. Um, to call the organization, um, explore what opportunities might align with the interests of a you know potential volunteer. And like I said, it could be that they end up engaging in our community-based or school-based program. Perhaps they have other expertise that they can bring to help provide support to the organization. But I would say that you know if there's interest, if there's passion, if there's commitment, there's likely a home for you at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Oh, great, <laughs> Elizabeth. Thank you for this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.